In the Constitution, it says the president, vice president, and all civil officers in the United States shall be removed from office on impeachment for and conviction of treason, bribery, and other high crimes and misdemeanors. Hmm. Treason? No. Other high crimes and misdemeanors? What does that even mean? Bribery. This is what they're going for, it appears. The bribe would be obvious to everyone. If Trump, this is according to The Atlantic, if Trump and the people were acting on his behalf, had told the Ukrainians, we'll release your military aid, but you have to, you have to do us a favor of contributing a million dollars to Trump 2020. Then we'd know that bribery, you know, it's unlike maybe a minion saying, well, no, they don't have any time to meet with you. Although, you know, they do have this Clinton Foundation. And it'd be wonderful if you would go ahead and donate to that. And then suddenly her schedule opens up and they can meet with those people. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, so you, she could have been impeached for that, huh? That's in the Constitution. Bribery. Huh. Instead, Trump, they say, uh, pressed Ukraine for a favor as valuable to Trump as a million dollars. They asked Ukraine to launch or at least announce a corruption investigation into the Biden family. In return, the Trump team implied that they would get military aid for an Oval Office meeting. Trump asked for a favor that would benefit him politically and tied it to foreign aid. Yeah, it also would have helped the country because it was in national interest. And that was the last thing in a long, long 151 word laundry list of things. So they, it looks like they're going for bribery. Stu? It's an interesting thing they're going to attempt there. I mean, I you know. If you want to know their their direction, it's good to get out in front of it, and this is what they're going to go for. You're going to all of a sudden hear the Democrats just love the Constitution. They care about it so much. It's right there. Mm. We read it every day, and it's just mm. it's one of the only two specific things mentioned for impeachment. It's bribery, and this is clear. This is what it is. This is the road they're going to go down, right? Um, and you know, I think people's heads will explode. I mean, because we we know. We know that the Clinton Foundation got rich off of people trying to meet or schmooze <laughs> with the uh, with the Secretary of State Hillary Clinton. We know it. We know it. Nobody ever wanted to pursue that. Nobody ever wanted to look into it. Well, why don't you look into why all of a sudden the Clinton Foundation is struggling for cash? Because soon as she's not. In the uh, you know in the Oval Office or not as the Secretary of State, all of a sudden, all those those great people all over the world that just thought this was so wonderful have suddenly stopped thinking it's so wonderful. Mm. Why? 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 Why is that? Yeah, and this is a dangerous road, I would say, for Democrats to go under uh, because, as you point out, there are is endless evidence of these things going on. I mean, you could read any number of Peter Schweizer books to see the documents and details of the times they take money for favors. This happens all the time. Yeah, well, they've got Mitch McConnell on that, too, because Mitch McConnell is also in a Schweizer book, Mm -hmm. you know, being just as bad as the rest of them. So, um, but also, you you do have somebody else that could be brought up, uh, because you couldn't bring up the Clinton Foundation 
in your defense because that's not it doesn't have anything to do with this case. However, you could make the case that it was bribery that was also involved in the uh, quid pro quo from Vice President Biden. Uh, you could try that. You could attempt that, and they are probably going to. Um, what I'm interested about is the idea that their defense on the Biden thing is so weak, right? It's it's just this idea that really the summary of it is Joe Biden's pure and Donald Trump's evil. Like really right. is all that, they're that doing. Is. Because, that is. Because they're just, they're saying, oh, well, yeah, sure. There's a lot of uh, really shady things. It looks like happened with Ukraine, um, but Joe Biden's intentions were perfectly clear. He's told us to our face that they were, were clear. And, and so we're fine. We believe him. They just believe him, right? But, like, one of their defenses is this, and I thought this was fascinating. It's buried in a New York Times piece uh, from today about, which basically exonerates Joe Biden on, on Ukraine, mm-hmm. is the point of it. Okay, yeah. Right? So sure, there's sure. lots of excuses as to what, all the things that went on. There's lots of coincidences. They weren't even his policies or his ideas. He was just executing them. And the only reason he did any of them is because he was known for taking all the tough jobs that the administration couldn't find anyone else to do. He was just a hard worker. He was a lunch pail so Joe. Great. I mean, it was almost a camp. It's almost a campaign commercial. Mm-hmm. But buried in there, uh, about three quarters of the way down, is their defense on Burisma, and this is the uh, natural gas company in Ukraine that Hunter Biden worked for. And they say Burisma was a smaller uh, company, but it paid no played no role in Mr. Biden's pressure campaign. Administration officials could not recall whether the company was even mentioned in meetings the vice president attended on energy matters. And you think to yourself, well, that's a good defense. If these people are around them and they're saying, well, they didn't even mention Burisma. It's a small company. And uh, they don't even know if he ever even knew about it. And it was definitely not involved in his pressure campaign. No. So what was his pressure campaign? He had a pressure campaign going on with the energy industry. Well, what was that pressure campaign about? Listen to this paragraph of the same story. Ukraine's energy industry, the country's geopolitically crucial economic engine, was a central point of contention between the Obama administration and Kyiv. Mr. Biden and uh, another person they introduced earlier, they talk about pressuring Mr. Poroshenko to reform the operations of the state-owned natural uh, gas company, Naftogaz which controlled about two-thirds of the country's energy resources. So you're seeing he wasn't helping Burisma. He didn't even bring it up. All he did is take down their top competitor. It's like, look, look, Joe Biden is running the FDA, and Hunter Biden works for Burger King, and Joe Biden happened to be investigating McDonald's. He wasn't even mentioning Burger King. Hunter was at Burger King. That uh, wasn't Joe I, Biden's pro- may I also, focus. May I also say mm. that they were pressuring McDonald's because they had a lock on the market. And they were saying, Joe Biden was saying, hey, look, we got to investigate this uh, unless you're going to investigate. But we're going to investigate it. And by the way, um, we have uh, U.S. aid dollars in the billions for any energy company that wants to make a case that they can do a better job in in finding natural gas and oil. Mm. We just, that's not for your state gas. It's for anybody else. 
Yeah. You kind of forgot that not only taking down the major competitor, mm-hmm. but also offering money. Now, For if people to do it another way, she, mm. if you are your vice president, that vice president is over there and you're looking at all the companies that you might want to invest in, the companies that you think mm. might have the best shot of getting that American money might be the one that has Joe Biden's son on the board. I'm just saying. You think? Well, in a country like Ukraine, that's completely corrupt. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. My impression at just after going through all of this over the past few months is that if you fly in the airspace over Ukraine, you will become corrupt. That's how <laughs> right. corrupt the Ukrainians are yeah. uh, in, in, in their government. Because it is like every single person. I mean, remember, the storyline they're telling us, this is the left's case, is they were so corrupt, we had to bring in a new guy. And that guy was so corrupt, we had to bring in a new guy. And that guy was so corrupt, they had to bring in a new guy. Like that is their that is their well, case. Again, it's not the total case. Yes, you're right about having to bring in that guy and then the other guy and then the other guy and then the other guy. <laughs> right. But the good news is, from the outset, the United States insisted through an NGO that they set up a national bureau that's for anti-corruption. Mm-hmm. So this anti-corruption bureau set up strangely by an NGO. We should look into that. Um, they were going to work with the government to make sure that all those, all that corruption was gone. Unfortunately, the guy who ran that <laughs> anti-corruption bureau, yeah, yeah, he was uh, he was convicted in meddling in the U.S. election uh, by uh, helping Hillary Clinton and bragging about it on tape. That's why they gave him a. A conviction uh, there on that crime. Well, he but. was only recorded saying it, and then it was played. Uh, in fact, we played it on one of the specials. Yeah. Uh, they're just having dinner. Just like, ah, yeah, we were helping Hillary Clinton. Yeah. Uh, just to throw it out there, no one cares. Yeah. This is a conviction. It was a conviction in, in Ukraine. Of course, again, every single person who's ever walked through Ukraine apparently is corrupt. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, maybe well. it's maybe it's the radiation from Chernobyl. So I don't know the, what causes it. So here's, let me, let me just give you this. This is, um, uh, this is a conversation between the the republican uh, questioners or investigators in the in the private hearings in the classified hearings this is part of the text that was released over the weekend now again this is the top ukrainian guy for the national security council so this is the guy who knows it all mm-hmm. inside now he was selected To be the top guy on Ukraine. Question. So what do you know about Jolevsky, the oligarch that controls Burisma? Oh, frankly, I don't know much. Uh, Don't know a huge amount. Yeah, are you aware that he's the former minister of ecology? Now remember, head guy Burisma, what's the plan? Oil and gas. Gee, you should figure out who the minister of ecology is. (laughs) Probably a big deal, yeah. Yeah, no, I'm not. Are you aware of any investigations the company has been involved in over the last several years? Well, I am aware that Burisna does have questionable business dealings. That's part of their track record, yes. Okay, and what questionable business dealings are you aware of? Well, I think it's you know more of a generalization. I, I'm aware that it has questionable business dealings, and they were you know they were known as a fact. Okay, okay. Did you know if they'd been involved in misappropriation of energy licenses? Nah, don't know that. 
Don't think I could say that. But I think the general the general answer is they have questionable business dealings. So money laundering, tax evasion, if they were subject to those investigations, that would comport with your understanding of the company. Yeah, yeah, pretty much the that would comport with the understanding of how business is done in Ukraine. <laughs> OK, all right. So in 2014, they, uh, they undertook an initiative to bring in some additional folks on their board. Are you aware of some of the folks they added to the board in 2014? Well, the only individual I'm aware of, again, after you know it's been reported in the press, is Mr. Hunter Biden. Now, that just brings into question, may I just approach the bench, Your Honor, here and talk to you, the listener. Doesn't that make you look at Joe Biden and go, wait a minute, if the National Security Council knew that, what was it, um, bribery, money laundering, tax evasion was Part of the deal of Burisma that maybe you should follow John Kerry's stepson and say, uh, guys, we shouldn't take this board seat. I, I can't do it because this is crazy. These guys are really bad guys. Joe Biden, doesn't it? You don't question the people around Joe Biden. Maybe the, you know, the Secret Service. Nobody said, hey, by the way, he's getting into bed with a really bad company. And did you check with any of the authoritative sources in government to learn a little bit more about these? No, I didn't. Even when the narrative started to creep in? No, I didn't. I didn't think it was appropriate. I mean, he's a citizen, a U.S. citizen. Well, I'm going to ask questions. Frankly, that falls into the law enforcement sphere. Oh, hmm. like the anti-corruption bureau that was colluding with the Democrats and Hillary Clinton to throw the campaign? You mean... Those law enforcement officials, I I mean, this is such an easy case, such an easy case. So exactly what did you do with your authoritative uh, sources to evaluate what was going on with Burisma? Well, I, you know, I, I, uh, I talked to my interagents, uh, interagency colleagues, you know, and asked them for their views, and they shared them. And I incorporated that into my own personal assessment, uh, assessment and that's really it. Oh, okay, so are you telling me you just made a couple of phone calls? Yeah, I mean, whatever the format of exchange was, I don't recall. So telephone calls, emails, that type of thing? Yeah, something like that, yeah. Oh, man, I'm <laughs> glad this guy's on the National Security <laughs> Council because he is... He's a he he deeps he 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 digs deep for truth, doesn't he? He, he does. He does. Yeah. We're finding a lot of truth in the in these uh, transcripts that yeah. I think is kind of interesting. That is not necessarily the focus of a lot of the media coverage. For example, uh, a lot of these people who are critical highly of Trump and his, the main witnesses for the Democrats right now, uh, people like Taylor, uh, who is uh, the guy. I would say most centrally probably accusing him of uh, of bad actions in texts and such, uh, you know, career diplomat. Um, all these people who are super highly focused on Ukraine. And again, the case is, well, look, he's he's trying to help Russia, you know, blah, mm-hmm. blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Listen to some of this testimony. It was, I think it's interesting. So they're asking, uh, it's a Republican lawyer talking to Taylor. He says, uh, once you join the administration in Kiev, and yes, it is Kiev and not Kiev. Were you happy with the package of aid? Um, I was happy that we were providing aid. I guess we could always be more, but I was glad it was coming. I would have been unhappy if it didn't come. But the Trump administration had a package of aid uh, aid to Ukraine, right? Yes. Including lethal defensive weapons, right? Yes. Financial assistance? 
I was very happy about that. And was this an improvement over years prior? Uh, the critic of the Trump administration says it was. Was it a substantial improvement? It was a substantial improvement in, the, in that this administration provided Javelin anti-tank weapons. The shoulder-fired missiles, he said, successfully deter Russians from trying to grab more territory. They were also a very strong political message that said the Americans were willing to provide more than blankets. I mean, that was the previous. Again, talking about the Obama administration. And these weapons are serious weapons. They kill Russian tanks. So these are serious weapons. It was a, distrem- it was a demonstration that we support Ukraine. And against Russia, in this case. Again, over and over and over again, we see this. The Russian narrative, so, which is largely d- dissolved now. They're, they're all saying they're all saying a couple of things. One, he was for Russia. No. Uh-uh. No, apparently not. By his actions. Two, uh, he was very dangerous on Ukraine. How? The Obama administration was giving them blankets. I don't know if there's smallpox included. <laughs> giving them blankets. He's given them javelins. Wait, how, how is this? And yet you'll walk if they change anything in the State Department's policies. This oh. is the Glenn Beck Program. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Welcome to it. It's Monday. The impeachment hearings begin. And uh, Chris Stewart has been kind enough to be able to uh, make time in his schedule. Uh, he's a congressman from Utah that has been in the skiff. Have you not been? You've been. You have firsthand experience in the skiff. Do you not, Chris? First hand experience on more than one occasion, Glenn. And before we get into that, let me say happy Veterans Day to all our veterans. God bless them all out there. If you would let me. Absolutely, I know you're a veteran, so happy Veterans Day to you. And your family is just riddled with heroes and. Uh, I'm, I'm grateful for everything that they've done, along with all the other veterans. So, Chris, um, first of all, just side note, you're you're in on these impeachment hearings. You've been sitting there and listening to this in the skiff. Yeah, yeah. Glenn, and not just for the last six weeks, by the way, this goes back really three years. I mean, for three years, the Intelligence Committee, which is one of the most important committees in Congress, the work we do really matters. We've been diverted for years now on first the Russian collusion. Uh, the Mueller report, uh, you know, obstruction of justice, and then they ran out of uh, ran out of ammunition there. So now we're doing impeachment on Ukraine. So why not? Yeah, I've been there uh, day after day. I've been doing that. Can you tell me uh, first of all, just to, just for casual interest, what's the skiff like? Is it a regular room? Is it like in the movies where there's a glass box in the room? Yeah. Is it well, like that? Not as not as mysterious as it may sound. I mean, it's a, a secure facility. You have. Uh, Obvious heightened security around it. You go down the hallway through a uh, a very heavy. Uh, it's not really a blast door, but it's a, a door in order that will contain any electronic emissions or any any sound. And then you go through another inner door, and after that, it's much like any other kind of office space. There's a couple of hearing rooms, some conference rooms, a library. Oh, that's kind of disappointing. And, uh, yeah, yeah. Kind of disappointing. Uh, you know, I like the movie yeah. Skiff better. Okay, so Chris, um, we we now have from uh, Schiff what is going to happen. He says, as we move to open hearings, it's important to underscore that the impeachment inquiry and the committee will not serve as vehicles for any member to carry out the same sham investigations into the Bidens or debunked conspiracies about a 2016 U.S. election interference that President Trump pressed Ukraine to conduct for his own political uh, benefit. 
The committee also will not facilitate efforts by President Trump and his allies in Congress to threaten, intimidate, retaliate against the whistleblower who courageously raised the initial alarm. It remains the duty of the Intelligence Committee to protect whistleblowers, and until recently, this was a bipartisan priority. The whistleblower has rights under laws championed by the committee to remain anonymous and be protected from harm. The impeachment inquiry, moreover, has gathered an ever-growing body of evidence from witnesses and documents, including President's own words on his uh, july 25th phone call that not only confirms but exceeds the initial uh, in information from the whistleblower's complaint the whistleblower testimony is therefore redundant and unnecessary wow well i mean it's just nonsense glenn there's so much in that that is just nonsense but that's the way this investigation has been conducted from the very beginning you know that letter is in response to our request for six additional witnesses and, you know, they write up the resolution that governs this impeachment inquiry in such a way that we can't even call our own witnesses. We can't ask the questions that we want to ask. Everything we do is subject to the approval of the chair, and you won't approve any of it. Now, imagine a defense. Can you imagine a defense where you're actually at trial and the judge says, well, you can't call any defense witnesses, or your defense attorney can't make certain arguments? That's what we're in the middle of here, and that's what Adam Schiff is doing. But, Glenn, no one is surprised about this. I mean, truly, we're not surprised. It's the way this has been conducted from the beginning, and it's the only way they can conduct it and have the narrative that they want that the press will then go out and mimic to try to convince the American people. So you, what is the plan then? Because what you're, you're not facing a hearing. You're, you're facing an inquisition, and Adam Schiff is, Schiff is the grand inquisitor. If he well, makes I, I, all of the rules and they don't apply to any kind of natural American rules, what do you what do you have here besides an inquisition? Well, I think there's a couple things. Number one is just like with the Kavanaugh hearings, where they took the presumption of innocence, the idea that you've got to face your accuser. We took these principles that we've supported and, and defended for a thousand years and threw them out the window. The American people are offended by it, and they are offended by this as well. So part of the argument is we point out how unfair it is, how just unfair it is not to be able to call our own witnesses and make our own arguments. But I don't think we win on that, Glenn. I think the biggest thing is what you've been saying for the last week, and that is point out the absurdity of the argument at its core. Of course, American uh, intelligence or American law enforcement agencies investigate and, and work with foreign governments to investigate crime and corruption. Of course we do. Has anyone ever heard of Interpol? We do that all the time. And the second thing is, of course we do pre quo pro. Of course we withhold aid. I mean, we had a president who came to power in Ukraine that none of us knew. He came out of nowhere. We didn't know if he was corrupt or not. And it would be perfectly legal and perfectly within the realm of not just legality, but common sense to say, hey, we should understand this individual. He Is even says we can trust. He even says in the phone call, look, um, our intelligence shows that some of the corrupt people are still around you. And he says, no, I know who they are. And he says, no, Mr. President, I don't think you do know who they are. But we believe they're still around you and influencing you. So the president is questioning the guy's credibility and saying, look, we don't know if you're corrupt or not. And you have to show us that you're not. 
Exactly. I mean, this is from the president. Again, we didn't know anything about We knew that he was supported by some oligarchs. Now, some of these oligarchs are claiming that they're there to fight corruption, but that's a, that's a difficult argument to accept on its face. And so the president was saying, we need to understand him. And by the way, Glenn, this is important for those of us who work in national security intelligence. We had heard early in the spring uh, when this election first took place, there would likely be a hold on some of the military aid that we were going to provide to Ukraine while we evaluated the new president and, and the new administration. Wow. Again, that's perfectly understandable. In fact, it's expected. And and I think the last thing on this is uh, another core argument people are making is, yeah, you can investigate people, but you can't investigate politicians. If you're running for office, you can't be investigated. I think that's an absurd argument to make. If you want to have American people talk about the elites in Washington, go ahead and make the argument that you can investigate anyone except for someone running for office like Vice President Biden was. They're beyond an investigation. It's improper to ask questions about them. I think that's a nutty argument to make. So, uh, Chris, are, are, do you believe that you guys are just going to be shouted down? Uh, I mean, you know, when you say the Kavanaugh hearing, the Kavanaugh hearing was made because we heard from the two sides. If you can't call the right witnesses and you can't ask questions, it was the Republicans that were asking those questions that that revealed who she was. And then it was Kavanaugh's opening statement where do you what do you have uh, and and what tools do you have to be able to have those people make the case because nobody's going to listen to the people giving speeches up on the by the committee yeah, well, I, Glenn, I think there's a couple of things. For one thing, the rules of engagement with the closed hearings are going to have to open up. You're not going to be have, have instances like there was with me and others where uh, Chairman Schiff actually wouldn't let me ask a question or phrase a question the way that I wanted to, although I insisted and didn't change my question. And, you know, the witness wouldn't answer. But they're not going to be able to do that in open session like they have been able to do in a closed session. And the second thing is, even if we're not able to call our witnesses, which is incredibly destructive to the sense of fairness about this, but once again, we can go point out to the American people how, how absurd that is if you're interested in a fair a fair process, fair to both sides. And then I think the third thing is this, and it's not something that we've talked about much, but that is this has to go to the Senate. And the Senate will operate by their own rules. And the Senate, I think, if they wanted to hear from some of these other individuals, they'd have an opportunity to do that. Hmm. So I think at the end of the day, the Senate may wash out some of this, you know, uh, other things that we're seeing here in the House. Why should why should this whistleblower be quote unquote exposed yeah you know the the law on that is very clear and it's been contorted and that's not surprising it's not the only thing that has been but there's been this contortion saying that it's illegal to expose him it's not it's it's illegal or, or inappropriate for the inspector general who is conducting the investigation to expose him or to reveal who he is. The point being is you wouldn't want to have reprisals from his coworkers or his supervisors to fall down upon him. But this is something quite different. You can't in, initiate the impeachment of the president of the United States and expect to remain anonymous and not have to answer any questions. And there are meaningful questions. So we want to ask this whistleblower, and we want to do it in person such that we can evaluate him. 
so that we can see his response. That's an important part of, uh, of any, any hearing. That's why you have court where you bring the witnesses before the jury. You don't just have them sit in a back room and answer questions in writing. And uh, we really hope we have a chance to talk with this whistleblower face-to-face. The American people deserve to hear from him face-to-face. So, Chris, I, I have to tell you, um, I don't know if you've seen the chalkboards uh, specials that I've done, but uh, they have his fingerprints. I mean, he is, he's like Capone's accountant. He, his fingerprints are in and around all of the things uh, that have transpired with with Biden, uh, with the ambassador, with Chalupa. I mean, he's there. At DNC. The, yeah, he's there at the scene yeah. of the crime the whole time. The whole time. Yeah. Well, it's him and others, uh, other friends. He's not the only one. No, no, uh, I know that. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, and again, that's those are great examples, as you've pointed out now for a couple of weeks, Glenn. Those are great examples of fair questions that the American people should have a response to. Chris Stewart, um, what do you do now today and tomorrow? When when should we start seeing things? What should we be looking for? How's this play out in the next couple of days? Well, you know, I'm actually here in southern Utah today, flying back to D.C. tonight, and we're going to have uh, some strategy meetings tomorrow where we're going to have opportunities to kind of sit down as a Republican caucus and, sit and, and kind of work out how we think we'll handle these open hearings. i got to tell you, Glenn, I don't think they're going to be very compelling. I don't think there's any surprises that are coming. Either way, there's not going to be any groundbreaking moment where you think, oh, man, the president is in a lot of trouble. And on the other hand, there's not going to be anything where you think, oh, this is exculpatory. There's nothing there. It just is what it is. Uh, but I guess we'll just jump into the first hearing on Wednesday and uh, and see how that first one goes and then maybe evaluate what, what changes we might make in our strategy after that. Wow. So um, you are you because I said this morning, I think the president needs to I think the Senate needs to take this and start playing offense um, and take this up, because if you're not going to get anywhere with it uh, and you're just going to have, you know, a, a tie in the end, nobody's nobody's mind has changed and nothing's really been exposed. It's got to go to the Senate and they've got to start playing offense. Is that kind of where you think it might go? No, I agree with you, and I I alluded to that earlier, that the Senate won't have their hands tied like we have in the House. But is that a personal belief of yours like it is a personal belief of mine, or is it something that has a chance of really happening? Oh, I think absolutely has a chance of happening. Oh, wow. When you talk with when you talk with some of the senators who are, are going to be involved with this and their approach to this process, I think it's no. Look, I'm not in the U.S. Senate, and I don't want to speak for them, but I think it's it's more than likely. Oh, that's great. Okay, good. I'm glad to hear that because there's a yeah. there's a lot to yeah. uncover. There's a lot to yeah. uncover. Chris, thank you so much. Oh, no, Glenn, thank you, sir. You bet. That's uh, Representative Chris Stewart. Uh, from uh, the uh, state of Utah, who is has been in the hearings, um, and I've been dying to talk to him, but he's in the skiff, and so he can't say anything. But on the public hearings, he can, uh, and we're also going to be talking to some other people along the way to uh, to get their viewpoint on what is coming. Of course, I just have to say this real quick: Peter King, we lost him. He's not running for re-election. Yeah, that 
crappy Republican. We're going to have to find mm. another crappy Republican to run. I don't think we're going to be able to find one as crappy, though. That's the problem. <laughs> it's going to be really hard to oh, find a, a as terrible no, no, no. Republican. Do not, put, do not put it past the GOP to be able to find somebody worse than Peter King. Hey, and just the effort to make sure that we all, like the uh, the NBA, say that you know China is better and they know better, and they're just—it's so free and so great. Um, they have just—they've uh, just uh, imposed a, f- a few regulations on uh, video game playing for minors, um, anybody under eighteen, uh, you know, just to prevent people from—I'm quoting—indulging in online games. Uh, they've put an online ban in for minors, anybody under eighteen. Uh, you can't play anymore from 10 p.m. to 8 a.m. Oh. And uh, also, you're restricted to 90 minutes of game time every day, except for national holidays. <laughs> and then you're allowed to play for three hours. Oh. so Well, that's not too bad. Well, and then you also can't play. And this is everybody. This is, you know, over 18, under 18, over 80. Um, you're also prohibited from playing any game that depicts sexual explicitness, goriness, Violence or gambling. Wow. Kinda, so, that's a lot of stuff there. No, Pac Man is still available. Well, no, they eat ghosts. There's violence. Well, it's uh, not very gory, but you are right. Violence. Was yeah. this copy and pasted from the Bloomberg 2020 campaign site? <laughs> 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 you can vote for that and get it. Yeah. Well, it's coming to a country near you quicker than you might, might think. This is the Glenbeck Program.